Today we're talking tight ends in the Big Ten. Is Brevin Span for the best tight end in the league? Hey, you are no locked happens, on Golden Gophers. No matter what we're going to do here, we're just going to keep rowing. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota uh, Golden turns out, Gophers. Whatever turns out, we're just going to keep rowing. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're just going to keep rowing, keep rowing, and keep rowing. You're listening to Lockdown Golden Gophers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Kane Rob, host of the podcast, former collegiate football video coordinator and recruiting assistant, here to talk Golden Gophers with you each and every day of the week, Monday through Friday. We've been doing our position room breakdowns. Today, we've got the tight ends. If you've missed out on the receivers, the running backs, and the quarterbacks, you're definitely going to want to go back and check those ones out as well. But I appreciate y'all for listening. This is the show where we always continue to to row through the good and the bad, but be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts at Locked On Golden Gophers and subscribe over on YouTube where we officially have cracked 1,000 subscribers. I appreciate you Gophers fans for making it happen and getting it done. Now let's talk about the the tight ends in this room. Let's talk about Brevin Span Ford. I want to talk about Brevin because this man is different, and I'm going to tell you why exactly. I'm excited for him in this upcoming season. On top of that, we're going to break down the entire Gophers tight end room, talk about the future of the tight ends, and then we're going to rank the Big Ten tight ends across the entire conference for 2023. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, when you pit bet on a Super Bowl winner, you get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season over at FanDuel.com slash lockdown. But let's talk about our guy, Brevin Span Ford, because this man is a mammoth of a man. And he is different. Brevin is finally getting the national media attention, getting them to wake up a little bit. And hear me when I say this. Brev is absolutely built for it. Now, he is a preseason All-American list. He's the John Mackey Best Tight End in the League Award watch list. And is he a next NFL top draft pick? Well, Chad Maxwell over at PFF, we've had him on the show before. He absolutely called him a top three tight end in the nation. And I agree, he is top three. But I will absolutely say he's top three and not three, meaning he is absolutely in that top two to me. That is absolutely right. And if he would have come out last year in what was considered a tough class, a very strong tight end class, I still believe Brevin would have found himself maybe in that third, fourth round range, similar to a Payne Durham, similar to uh, later in the draft, that grouping. That's probably where he would have been at in last year's class. Now, he's gotten another year to build onto his resume. And if he contributes just like he did last year with maybe a couple more touchdowns sprinkled in, but continues to have elite run blocking, elite pass catching, and picks up on the touchdowns, Look, the sky is the limit. He could absolutely be one of the first tight ends off of the draft board next next year. In fact, that being said, the only player I think is bound to go in front of him at this point is Brock Bowers when it comes to tight ends. I think Brock Bowers, I mean, he's probably going to be the number one tight end off the board next year. He's a dynamo. He's had 1,824 receiving yards and 20 touchdowns in the last two years combined. But that said, beyond Brock Bowers, 
I think Brevin can truly make a case and truly is the next man up. And according to PFF's grades from last season, Brevin and Brock Bowers were both graded a 90 overall, and they are both the highest returning tight ends to college football. Now, as a whole, Brevin Spanford was graded fourth overall last year, only behind Dalton Kincaid, uh, Michael Mayer, both of those guys being drafted, and then one of the best blocking tight ends, if not the best blocking tight end in the entire country in the Army uh, tight end from last year. So fourth overall tight end on the year, 13th highest receiving tight end grade last year, and then the fifth best run blocking tight end grade in 2022. But aside from all that, besides the 400 plus receiving yards and all of the production that he had last season, it is the intangibles that will really help Brevin set himself up to be successful at the next level. Six foot seven, 270 pounds, athletic as all get out, hurdling players left and right. Ball skills could have been improved on the last couple seasons, um, but I do believe that's what we have been seeing in these fall camp practices, which should be encouraging for fans. Now, in 2022, Brevin was credited with three drops, and one of those three drops was a touchdown, flat out, so that would have helped in his production numbers. And then in 2020, he was also credited with two drops. But if anything has been prevalent in these early fall camps that we've seen from Brevin Spanford, it is that he is making snags and grabs left and right on touch passes, on zip passes, on gun bin passes, on uh, one-handed snags, on high points, on slant routes. He's doing it all. It has been very impressive, and it is a nice look for early fall. Hopefully, he can, can keep that going into the season. Now, those skills, plus... He can play and line up at the F slot or the Y slot, meaning he can be flexed out into the slot position as a tight end and has had success out there, or he can stay into the Y as an inline tight end. He's had success in both areas. He saw a lot of snaps from both areas. Last year, he saw 109 snaps flexed out into the F position and 180 snaps in line as a tight end, as a Y. So he's got the versatility to go both ways. And the wildest part of it all is I still think Minnesota misused Brevin Spanford over these last few years, even last year, even with all the production. I still think there was some misusage there because there is absolutely zero reason your mammoth of a man, an athletic tight end, should only have two touchdowns on a season or one touchdown on a season. Zero. Zip. Zilch. Nada. There is zero reason why that should happen, and it absolutely needs to change in this final year. More red zone usage, more touchdown opportunities, because who is going up and getting it with this six foot seven, 270-pound athletic freak of a tight end? Who's going to do that? I mean, we got to see it happen. I know fans have been clamoring for it. Media analysts for the Gophers have been clamoring for it. It's about time to see it. So that is one thing we absolutely need to see from Coach Fleck and his staff coming up this season. Now, I have no hesitation saying he is quite possibly the best all-around tight end in the draft because of his blocking skills and his ability to motion across and handle the edge rush. All of that is extremely prevalent in his game from last year. If he continues to show it this year and he adds on to maybe some more of those touchdown numbers in the receiving game, I think you're going to see an opportunity for him to be the second or third tight end off the board in the NFL draft, likely making him a day two guy. 
I'm here for it. I'm excited for it. And you got to enjoy it. One last ride with Brevin Spamford. But it's not just Brevin Spamford that makes this room special. We're breaking down the entire room for you coming up next here at Locked on Golden Gophers. First, I want to talk to you about our friends over at FanDuel because football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you a chance to win all season long. That's right. It's not just a bet that you won and done, it's over, you won or you lost. No, you get to win all season long because right now when you bet on a Super Bowl winner over at FanDuel.com slash locked on, you bet on your Super Bowl winner and you will get bonus bets every single time they win a regular season game. So if you pick a team, a squad that goes out there and wins 13, 14 games, you're getting bonus bets for 13 or 14 games. Hard to go wrong with that, am I right? Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use those bonus bets to bet on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. All right, Gophers fans, we're talking about this tight end room now. Tight ends might not be the sexiest thing to talk about when it comes about the position groups, but the Gophers have a very, very good tight end group in this conference in the nation. And so it is very exciting to talk about from our standpoint. Now, we've talked about Brevin Spanford. We've talked about him being an athletic beast. We've talked about him being able to make all the grabs. We've talked about him working on his hands and shoring up that he is going to have more production, hopefully, in that receiving game. The biggest thing is we want to see him have more red zone targets. So P.J. Fleck, Matt Simon, Greg Harbo, make it happen. But aside from Brevin Spanford being possibly the best all-around tight end in the entire country, We've got some other guys in here that are doing very well, and that starts with Nick Callerup, who also played a ton of snaps last year, was graded as a top five or a top six pass blocking tight end in the entire country last year. Now, he didn't see a whole lot of opportunity in the receiving game, but when he did, he capitalized. He scored a touchdown. He had about 34 yards or so receiving. Reminds us a lot of Co'Keefe and the role that Co'Keefe played, and now Co'Keefe is playing on Sundays, so it shows you the upside that Keller can have, and that teams still value that, that nitty-gritty, that do-everything-for-your-team mentality that Nick Keller brings to this squad. He has the ability to catch the ball. They don't give him a ton of routes in that department, but he can do it if it needs to be done. But the biggest thing is, is he is like having another offensive lineman out there to block because he is so effective in that game. Now, overall, Kellerup has had an 89-plus PFF grade over on PFF. That's a point behind Brevin Spanford and Brock Bowers. Now, again, the receiving differences is pretty massive there, but the fact that he is such an elite blocker and he is a difference maker in the blocking department only contributes to why this tight end room is so special. Then you've got next up, beyond those two, who will see a lot of snaps again on the season, you have Jameson Gears. Now, Jameson Gears, when we went to this last practice uh, this week, actually, I believe it was on Tuesday, since we've been to that practice, we saw that Jameson Gears was not playing. He has an injury he is dealing with, but we were asked Coach Fleck in the presser uh, what was the deal with that. It was a long-term thing because his whole leg was wrapped up to keep it straight. 
Coach Fleck said that actually it isn't anything crazy long-term, anything that is like season-changing, but that he'll just have a few weeks that he needs to be off before he can get back out there on the field. Now, Jamison Gears is an athletic tight end. He's shown flashes of upside in the spring games, in the camps, to be able to hopefully be the next man up when Brevin Span Ford moves on to the NFL. But we still have to see more production from Jamison Gears before we can really know if he will be the future next year or if there will be more of a competition, more competitive nature from some of the younger guys in this tight end room, whether they're coming in from next year's class or some of the younger guys currently on the roster. So there is some depth in here, but beyond those top two, there's still a lot of question marks. There's still a lot of things need to be seen as we head into this upcoming season. Now, maybe Brevin Spanford's snaps come down a little bit just to save him some, some energy and use him more effectively in the passing game because last year he played over 700 snaps. I believe he's the only player on the roster uh, – a uh, friend of the show, Ryan Burns, had mentioned that wasn't an offensive lineman that played over 700 snaps on that offense. So you give him maybe 50 less snaps to catch his breath, to revitalize, and you get a guy like Jameson Gears if he's ready to get out there and make some make some use and show those flashes for the future. I think that's definitely a possibility. Beyond Gears, though, there are a ton of question marks. Now, this might be a top three tight end room. In the Big Ten, and we're going to talk about every single ranking for the tight ends to end the show, but it could see a steep drop-off in 2024 if and when Brevin Spanford leaves and if Nick Keller potentially leaves if he is to take that Coquif-like journey for an NFL team. Now, like I said, we could see a steep drop-off in 2024, but some of the names to keep an eye on as young guys that can maybe step up. Now, tight ends usually take a couple years to develop. So you've got a couple guys here that could be waiting in the wings that are really getting their feet beneath them and learning this playbook overall. Nathan Jones is the first one I want to bring up of that group. He's probably the next man up behind Brevin Spanford and Jamison Gears in that type of role. He is a tight end from Texas in the class of 2022. Now he came in with a big body. He's a six foot five, 240 pound guy. And he had a year with the program to grow and build in the strength and conditioning program. He had some injuries and some ding ups last year. But Coach Andrew Souter, the tight end coach, said that he has liked what he's seen so far and he's excited to see him back on the field and being able to play and work with the Gopher system. So overall, Nathan Jones is a guy to keep an eye on as we move forward. But again, no production that we've seen thus far being a redshirt freshman last year. Then you've got Frank Bierman and Jack DeSano, numbers 84 and 85 on the field. They took the next steps with the threes and the roper periods and whatnot, but they're mainly blocking snaps, that Nick Keller role. So they've got these tight ends in these certain roles that are hopefully going to have time to generate more opportunities in these practices and learn more hand-in-hand with your Keller, with your Brevin Span Fords in the roles that they're playing. So hopefully they can be ready come next year when people are freaking out just like they are about Mo Ibrahim and Tanner Morgan and John Michael Schmitz and they left and so the Gophers lost all this stuff. No, the Gophers aren't a team that's just like, well, time to hit rebuild, time to reset it. They're a team that is always developing in the background so that way they can help Fill those gaps as soon as they are available and allow others to lead. We've seen that happen time and time again, and we're going to see it in the future years. Now, we just don't know who exactly will be the ones to step up, but Bierman, Jack Desano, both of them, good blockers, could see them more in that caliber role and more in that H-back type of tight end. 
But when it comes to the future, the future of this room, it could lie with Nathan Jones or it could lie with some of these true freshmen of the 2023 class, Sam Peters and Pierce Walsh. Both are scholarship true freshmen of 2023. I've talked a bit about Peters on this show a couple times. He could have some major upside to him. He's got some nice hands, but it will probably take a year or two to adjust to the D1 level to get in the weight room, to get stronger, to take in the playbook. So overall, don't rely on it too much in this year and maybe not even next year, but we'll see how much that progress and that development comes along. But Pierce Walsh and Sam Peters are guys to keep your eye on. Walsh had a 20-yard touchdown in this last practice we were able to see with the Rofers, period. So it was good to see him getting his feet beneath him and getting an opportunity with the young guys. Now next year, like I said, it's going to be a reset in this tight end room with Brevin headed to the NFL. But there are two tight end commits in the 2024 classes. Well, there will be a lot of youth in that room to see who can make usage of that opportunity. It's going to be it's going to be a big question heading in 24, but 23, not so much. One of the best rooms in the entire Big Ten. And we're going to talk about where they fit in the conference with potentially the best tight end in the conference. Where does Minnesota rank at the tight end position throughout the conference? We're ranking the Big Ten programs coming up next. All right, Gophers fans, so we're doing it again. We're breaking down and ranking every single program based on the position group. We've done it for quarterbacks, running backs, and receivers now. Today is tight ends, and we are talking about this as if the season was ending. 2023, these are the rankings for where the production would finish off at the end of the season. So with that being said, we're going to kick it off with number 14, and it's not Rutgers, folks. The last three days, it's been Rutgers for me. I am not high on the Rutgers offense, but they got some tight ends that kept them away from the bottom of the barrel. It is, in fact, Indiana. Who will, who's who's going to step up? In the absence of A.J. Barner, who was the leading tight end for them, he transferred out to Michigan. They've got Steinfield, Bamba, Archer, lots of options in the tight end room, but how will it actually play out? I think it could be a heavy split. It could be a rotation, making it hard to determine if they actually have top-notch quality in that room. And I think the production will probably be a lot lower for Indiana. You come in over at 13, and we've got Northwestern. Now, they've got three players returning with starting experience, which is a plus. They're all seniors, but I'm not too high on the upside among those guys. So two of them have cracked over 100 receiving yards, but that's about all the production we've seen on that front. I think Northwestern is going to struggle. That offense could struggle. We don't really know what it's going to be. Is it going to be a ground and pound? What? What's going to happen? They've had their mess over the last couple of years, and now they've added to that mess with the off-the-field situation. So Northwestern, I've got at 13. We're going to hit it up at number 12 with Illinois. Now, Illinois has Ryman. He is the likely starter. He had some opportunities last season as well, had some production in that front, but I'm not too confident that Illinois' offense will feature the tight ends at a large capacity, which leaves them lower on this list for me. Then you've got number 11 for me, and that is Rutgers. So they're not at 14. They're at 11 for me here. Johnny Langan is back. He had a nearly 300 receiving yard year last season and has the most receiving production back for this Rutgers team. More than any of the receivers returning, Johnny Langan, the tight end, had nearly 300. I think he was at like 296 or something like that. So overall, I expect him to carry on in that front. Maybe he's a top two receiving option for them. So I had to have him close to the top 10. But at number 10, I've got Purdue. Now, Purdue had Payne Durham last year. Payne Durham was 
the second best tight end in the conference, according to the Big Ten awards being named the all Big Ten second team. And I was told by, by a Purdue fan on my Purdue breakdown episode that Garrett Miller would have been the number one tight end over Durham. Now, I'm not sure if that's true. I'm not in those Purdue, Purdue rooms. I'm not on the Purdue beat. I don't cover that team too often. But if that's true, if Garrett Miller was healthy, that he would have been number one, then that could lead to some high upside for this Purdue team heading into 2023. They said he's a similar player, similar playing style to Payne Durham, but he's a bit faster. Now, if that is true, that is real talent right there. But if not, then Purdue could be lower on this list as well. I'll be curious to see how they use their tight end position in this new Graham Harrell offense. And We'll see what happens. I could be a little high here on the Purdue game, but we'll give it to him in this case. Number nine, we've got none other than the Wisconsin Badgers. Now, Badgers fans were livid about being top five in the wide receiver show. I don't think I've ever seen a fan base with no real production outside of Jamari DK. You've got Skylar Bell with a little bit, Keontes Lewis with a little bit, Bryson Green, who's coming back from an injury and transferred, so you don't know how he fits in. And then all these redshirt freshmen that haven't played and all this. Yeah, you can hope on a lot of things, but I've never seen a fan base be listed as a top five unit in the conference and be like, oh, you are so low on us. It seems like you might be drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit too much when it comes to expecting immediate production on every single room that you have, like, Slow your roll, folks. I'm happy these people are going to get to play the game soon because we need to see it play out. Some people are getting too high on the expectations, and they're going to be the same people in the comments calling these kids busts on Twitter with their burner accounts. So calm it down. That's all I got to say. But Wisconsin comes in at number nine. I'm sure somebody's going to be upset in the comments. Clay Cundiff has all the upside as a tight end, but he's had injuries for a couple years now. So it's hard to know how awesome he can be, how those injuries will affect him overall in his career. But it is, it's going to be good if he can bounce back. If he can bounce back, Wisconsin can finish higher on this list. Beyond uh, Clay Cundiff, they also have two experienced players in Rucci and Eschenbach who could both help provide more depth. They could finish higher, but I've got them right here just because I think there's more upside with each of the rooms listed above. So number eight, I've got Maryland. Now, Corey Dychez is he put up nice numbers. He put up 494 receiving yards last year, three touchdowns. The only reason I do not have Maryland higher at this point is because I don't feel strongly about their tight end two and how they can contribute. So if a freak injury were to happen, they would come skyrocketing down this list, in my opinion. Now, you could say that about most tight end rooms, but at least some of these others in front of them have potential behind their stars, have another person that contributes maybe in the blocking efforts. I just don't see it with Maryland beyond their number one. That's why they come in at eight. We move on to number seven. Michigan State has two guys in Franklin and in Carr, and they might be, they might, the production they bring might be minimal, but they still have the size. They have the intangibles. Both of them are six foot five plus. Both of them have some good body types to them. They both bring athleticism and some production. So there are some unknowns, but with the lack of proven wide receivers for Michigan State, those tight ends could really step up and see some big time opportunities in the 2023 season. Now at number six, we've got Nebraska. And I say this with a caveat of because we don't know 
what is happening with Eric Gilbert. If Eric Gilbert gets the waiver and can play right away, I'm telling you, Nebraska could be up at maybe two or three on this list. Like straight up, that's how talented Eric Gilbert is paired with Thomas Fedoni. Now those two together are athletic freaks and they have some great upside, especially with the 12 personnel unit usage that we're likely to see from Matt Rule, which we saw at his times with Temple. Now, the reason I keep saying with Temple is because he's also bringing his OC, Marcus Satterfield, from Temple when they coach together, and they're here with Nebraska. So if they use a lot of two tight end sets, both of those guys could be featured. Gilbert is an absolute weapon. But the unknown there has me putting them at six just in case he isn't able to take the field. At number five, I have Penn State. Now, Penn State could be a little low here. Maybe you push them up to four. There's some variance between these next few schools, but Theo Johnson is a dude, plain and simple. 328 yards, four touchdowns as the second tight end on the team last year. Now he is officially the starter with Strange gone. Warren is the tight end too, and he's also had some production with over 100 receiving yards and three touchdowns on the last season as the tight end three. So it's a rock-solid group that are playing into bigger roles next year, and they should be a good tight end room. They could be anywhere for me from three to six. I've got them here at five. We move on to number four, and you've got the Big Ten all-third team lead guy in Kate Stover. I still think, uh, I don't know if that was the right call there, but whatever. He would have been all, all to Big Ten honorable mention if he didn't get that third team regardless. He gets the touchdown upside in this offense in, in a high-powered, heavy passing offense. He's going to see opportunities, but he's the fourth, fifth, maybe sixth option in that passing offense. So I'm not as high on him as many, but I am really intrigued. He probably won't play in the first year, but True freshman Jelani Thurman has great upside in this room as well. Ohio State finds a way to get their tight ends involved just at what capacity. I think Stover could be in the mix and they could have a top four group heading into the year. Then we move on to Michigan. Now Michigan's got Colston Loveland, 235 yards last year, but his run blocking game is not a strong suit at all. It's not something that he has been a positive player for very much when it came to his run blocking last year. So that's what pushes them down a bit for me because these next two rooms have more success in both receiving and the run blocking games. But that being said, they also bring in A.J. Barner, a transfer from Indiana. He was the best tight end at Indiana last year, and he adds another 200 yards to receiving from last season. They both will lead the way. They both have high upside, and they'll likely be featured in the passing game. But we'll see how much or if they start to pass the ball more to those receivers that we still don't know too much about beyond Cornelius Johnson. Now we head on over to number two, and this is going to shock some folks, I think. Uh, people are going to call me a homer, but whatever. I think Iowa comes in at number two. A lot of folks might put them as number one because of their top two with Lachey and Eric all, but I'm not doing it. I'm putting Iowa at number two. I can see a case for number one. So hear me when I'm saying this, like if you have them at number one, I'm not going to blame you, but Lachey, I believe can fill in for Laporta and fill that role and not miss a beat. We saw it happen last year when Laporta got injured. He showed that he can do it. And his upside paired with Eric All, who comes from Michigan, and in the 2021 season had a season similar to what we saw with Brevin Spamford last year. That is the similar numbers that Eric All had in the year prior. Now, not the same run blocking advantage as what we see with 
for Evan Spanford. But the two of them combined are very talented tight ends. We'll see how it breaks down. They'll probably be some leading receiving options for them, and it doesn't hurt that all has that connection with McNamara, both of them coming from Michigan. So, again, I wouldn't blame you if you put Iowa at number one due to the duo. But at number one, I've got Minnesota. And it's not just because I cover the Minnesota Gophers here. It is because if it was solely Brevin Spanford, then maybe this room is third best in the Big Ten or fourth best in the Big Ten because I think he is the best tight end in the Big Ten. But you add Nick Keller to that, and a lot of people don't think about the blocking aspects of tight end, but it is immense. It is huge. It is an advantage, and it is advantageous if you have a rock-solid blocking tight end out there who can act as an additional offensive lineman. It gives your quarterback more time. It gives time to develop. It gives running backs more options or more wiggle room to hit the holes and have more space on the field. And that's huge. So you add Nick Callerup in his 82 run blocking grade, his 89.4 PFF grade from last season, which is one point behind Brevin and Brock Bowers. That duo is great. They're gritty. They get that work that you need at the tight end room. Both of them can throw blocks. Both of them have receiving ability. And Brevin has the all-aroundness, which is one of the best, if not the best, tight end in the entire Big Ten to help elevate Minnesota to the number one room here. But again, if you put them at number two and Iowa at number one, I wouldn't blame you. I think both of them have rock-solid rooms. I think Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, and Nebraska are all that tier right behind. But if Eric Gilbert plays, then maybe he can be up and maybe Nebraska can be up in that top three. But regardless, there's some good tight end rooms in that top, top six groupings in the Big Ten. That's going to do it for us on today's show. I hope you enjoy the show. Let me know your comments. Let me know your thoughts down in the comments. Subscribe over on YouTube. Thanks again for making us with over 1,000 subscribers. Now let's keep building Gopher Nation. I'll see you tomorrow where we're talking offensive line. Now, there's a lot of questions with this Gophers offensive line, and we're going to dive in deep tomorrow. I'll see you then. Row the boat, Skyima. Go Gophers. And as always, don't forget to subscribe.